Welcome to Parenthood Pals. I'm Caleb Hoyer. And I'm Melissa Fight Johnson. With us today is my giggliest friend, meaning, <laughs> <laughs> meaning I get giggly around her. It's the delightful and wonderful Juliet Traub. Welcome, Juliet. Hey, welcome back. <laughs> Thank you. I think it's so hilarious that you always just start laughing and I don't even have to do anything. I don't know why I don't, but like, uh, you just, it's like you bring it out and I think it's lovely that you bring it out. It makes me happy. Um, but to be fair, before we recorded, Caleb was doing an impression of Jennifer Coolidge. And I think that was a big part of what put me in this mood. That's true. That's true. (laughs) We we have to blame Caleb for this one. I think, I think so. I can entertain as always. Yes. Um, Caleb, are you really not going to tell our listeners what that impression is like? You're not going to showcase it? Oh my God. I don't know if I really can. That's kind of all I got. It's just those three words. It was so good. Um, Makes me want a hot dog real bad. See that, that is amazing. (laughs) But there's larger news afoot. Yes. Which is... Juliet is now in the three timers club. No, she's in the four timers club. Juliet is now in the four timers club. Who even knew that was a thing? Yeah, amazing. I mean, at one point I was like, Caleb, maybe we should just have guests on like a max of three times, like our best guests three times. And so for a while we were going there. And then when we were planning this season six extravaganza with all our favorite guests, there were some people that we'd already had on three times, but we were like, we're not going to have them back for like our final season. But I'll have you know this, Juliet. The only other people in this elite club are Mark Johnson, Melissa's husband, and Lindsay Martin, my sister. That's right. So you are the only non- Family, but you are family. You are family. (laughs) I am honored to be in such a prestigious group. (laughs) Well, we're honored that you wanted to be part of this journey, which I can't use that word in a non-ridiculous way, but you know, I mean it. True. (laughs) I really do. Juliet was last with us for episode 513 jump ball oh yeah so just last season it hasn't been as long as some people but it's been a while yeah yeah what's new so we have expanded our family a little bit yeah um in the fact that we have uh a foster child now oh oh my gosh wonderful okay no psych sorry sorry no we don't (laughs) Do uh, do you have a pet that was mean. <laughs> you know what? It's I, an I, animal. I, I knew this because I remember years ago, Julia said to our friend Scott and me, she was like, you guys, I've got really big news. And we're like, what is your really big news? And she was like, I just finished rewatching Buffy all the way through. And we're like, is that really big news? <laughs> okay. But pets are, I mean, you know, I love pets. Tell us about your pet. Okay. So, um. It is a puppy. Oh. I got a puppy. And I've never had a puppy before. And Melissa, you're like such a huge dog person. So I thought this is going to be big news for you. It is. <laughs> but you said you fostered a child first. And then, and then you said you had a puppy. <laughs> Darn it. I've always taken myself that way. <laughs> no, I think that's wonderful. What is your puppy's name? And what kind of puppy did you get? Um, his name is Gizmo. Oh. And he is a... 
Yorkshire and Chihuahua mix. Oh my gosh. Is he a little fluff love? Uh, yeah. I'm going to have to show him to you later because he is ridiculously cute. Yeah, please just hold him right up to the screen. <laughs> I want to see <laughs> yes. his little face. Oh, I love yeah. that. My mother-in-law used to have a dog named Gizmo. And I just like, it's a, such a cute dog name. I love that. Yeah. And he, you know, he looks like he's got these little, you know, like he looks like a little Gizmo kind of. Yeah. Juliet, yay. I'm glad you're here. Oh, look, Mark heard me say Juliet, and now he's running over. He's waving at you. Juliet got a dog, Hi, babe. Mark. <laughs> he wants you know, to I'm see here the every dog. time, and Mark never waves. <laughs> <laughs> this, lift it up. He wants you to lift up the dog. Oh, that's... that's- See, this was this was my this is where I thought, oh, this is gonna interrupt the podcast because he's downstairs with Jordan. Okay. Do you want me to go get him? I don't wanna I didn't want to like I can cut it out. The thing. Yeah, you can get mm-hmm. him okay. and we can cut it out. Okay, let me go run. Let me go run real quick. <gasps> oh no! Oh, oh my god. Little- Oh, yes, it is. Yes. Lift him up to the camera. <laughs> Just put him right in front of the camera. Oh, yeah. Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh. Juliet, that's one of the cutest dogs I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So I mean, cute. I'm like, I know it's like I'm the parent, so, but like, I'm like, why are you the cutest dog I've ever seen? Yeah. Oh, look at this here. The little, oh, yes. That's too much. Yeah, thank you. That was worth it. Yeah, was worth it. Oh, wait, Juliet, will you do it again just so I can take a screenshot? Oh, yay, good idea. Gizmo's going to be on the social media. He's so cute. That's adorable. Yes. Thank you. All right, bye, babe. He's so cute. You're so sweet. Well, I'm glad you derailed um, everything because that was amazing. All right. Well, I'm I'm excited. I'm pumped. I, that was good for my soul. All right. Today we are discussing Parenthood Season 6, Episode 7. These are the times we live in. Guys, we're already more than halfway through the final season. What? Wow. 13 episodes. Halfway through Episode 7 is the center. Of You're the right. Oh, my gosh. So, well, that's bonkers. Anyway, it was written by Sarah Watson, directed by Eric Tignini. I'm never sure if I'm saying his name right, so I apologize, Mr. Director. <laughs> it originally aired on November 6th, 2014. And here's the TV Guide synopsis. Amber tests her maternal skills by babysitting Max and Nora, but she ends up turning to Sarah for help when things don't go as planned. <laughs> Meanwhile, Joel and Julia examine their relationship. Hank has a serious talk with Sandy. And Drew spends time with Zeke. <laughs> Against I'm imagining his someone will. reading this in TV Guide and they're like, guys, I got to stay home Thursday night. Drew's going to spend time with Zeke. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to miss that. Oh, anyway, man. so for our roll call, this episode has no Adam, no Christina, no Crosby. No Jasmine, no Jabbar, no Sydney, no Victor, and no Camille. Wow. Yeah. And in case we were wondering where some of these people are, <laughs> luckily there's some exposition straight away for us. You are currently She's the acting for. parent because mom and dad are soliciting donations for Chambers Academy in Sacramento, meaning that you were responsible for me and Nora being on the Alcatraz docks at 10 a.m. Oh, yeah. 
gonna conquer the old fears and go to Alcatraz today, huh? It's gonna be good. Tomorrow. I meant tomorrow. We're going I'm to Alcatraz so tomorrow. Coffee. We have tickets for the I'm... 11 o'clock ferry. All other times are sold out. I'm hungry. You're hungry? Don't interrupt okay. me, Nora. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't all exposition I just had to include. Don't interrupt me, Nora. I, re- I really love Amber me. being like, um, that's okay. Like, the baby can interrupt you. <laughs> oh. You know, the explanation was fine. Uh-huh. But now just reading that roll call... There are six other characters not in this episode that they didn't bother to explain at all. And that didn't bother me. I I wasn't like wondering, where are Krasby and Jasmine? Well, Jasmine is always gone. Almost like in the CIA in this season. (laughs) Like she's undercover, I think. But (laughs) I wasn't wondering, where are all these Bravermans? I just accepted that, well, I guess they're not in this episode. I'll just follow the ones who are. Although I guess for this plot line. If they wanted Amber babysitting, it was kind of necessary to say, why is she babysitting for a whole weekend? Yeah. Because they're out of town. Okay. I get it. I don't know how charter schools work. They solicit donations from outside districts. Is that, I mean, maybe, I don't know. Oh, that's true. Because I feel like the whole point of the charter school is that they take public funds. Yeah. Why would the people of Sacramento help with some Berkeley school? Like, Well, at least that is the capital. Okay. So maybe it's... State funding. So maybe it is public funds and they're advocating for more. I don't know. Okay. All right. That helps because I was like, are they going door to door in Sacramento? (laughs) That seems very strange. But your explanation makes a lot more sense. Maybe they're actually in Funky Town. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Maybe kittens on the grill. Kittens on the grill all weekend long. (laughs) They took a bunch of Lubriderm and. (laughs) The ocean and the motion. The the quote unquote. Yes. These are all direct quotes from their sex life. <laughs> well, That's I don't right. know what brand of lotion they had, but it was nothing. <laughs> this is a weird area. It was not lubricant. It was just like hand lotion. <laughs> and it's like, look what I've got. Oh, my gosh. Is this your kink? Johnson and Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> They're doing it wrong. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Oh, my God. Anyway, that opening shot of Nora, I often don't notice visual things, but that opening shot of Nora walking down the hall in the early morning light, I thought was so beautiful. Such a great start to the episode. That was great. And like I hadn't seen her for so long when I went back to watch this episode. I was like, oh, she's not a baby anymore. She has like multiple lines. Yeah. And she's acting like later on. She's like, let me down. Let me down. It's like she sounds exasperated how's she doing that how do you get a how old is she three-year-old or something yeah she was born in the fourth season right third third season season. okay oh yeah early on in season three yeah and like three looking directly at the camera at that age like wow that's blowing my mind talent so the amber storyline and the hank storyline in this episode i felt like sort of were intertwined Yes. So I'm going to try following this dual track. So let's shift over to Sarah just a little bit. Ruby comes in in a tizzy. Yeah. Did you like how Sarah seemed to approach Ruby's problem? Because at first I was like, should she just assume it's a boy? Is that maybe sexist? I'm like, what else is she going to be upset about? (laughs) I just liked that they were bonding and getting closer. And it felt... 
kind of believable. Like maybe Amber had bridged this gap in the last episode. Like Ruby decided, I like Amber. I feel safe with her. She's cool. She's her best friend in the world is her mom. So maybe her mom is cool. So I, I liked all that. It felt like the right progression to me. And if it hadn't been a boy, I don't think she would have been offended. I think she might've like laughed or something like, you know, but since it was a boy, it was, I don't know. Oh, good yeah. It was a risk that paid off. <laughs> She was right. <laughs> That's true. And it made her probably be like, oh, somebody understands or somebody just knows without me saying, which I think as a teenager, you like love that more than any other time in your life. Probably just want to be seen. Yeah. Well, she's confiding more in Sarah than I think she is in her own mother. Sorry. She's, she's in a mood because of Jake. Who, who's Jake? Yeah. Who's Jake? Oh, I don't even know. I'm sure she'll tell you about him. He's a boy she likes at school. He's a cool guy. I, I get it. I get the gist of it. Ruby, come on, sweetie. Let's go. Well, we've all okay. been there, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, are you are you watching Fast Times at Ridgemont High? Yes, it's the TV version. So a lot most You're of it's okay cut out. You're okay with that, Hank? With our 15 year old daughter watching a film oh, that was... glorifies sexual promiscuity? Ah, that doesn't. No, Sarah was watching oh, it, so literally. Amber saw it when she was uh, her age. It's actually got a lot of good I, high school I, dynamics. And... I think that we have different parenting styles. Hmm. Wow. Um, <laughs> I'm just saying maybe next time when you watch a movie with my daughter, it's not a film listen, where listen. a girl shows her breast hey, to get hey, I apologize. Okay. I didn't view it that no, way right. at all. I... It's OK, listen, I got to go. I got to get that camera from Max, remember, for that job tomorrow. Really? Oh, yeah. Get used to that. Ooh. <laughs> Trouble ahead. Before we get into the more important stuff, should we talk about the choice of watching Fast Times at Ridgemont High? Does anyone have an opinion on that with a 15-year-old? I've never seen it. Ooh, I so. love that I've never movie. seen it either. Really? Oh, you guys. It's so good. Um, All I know is it's Amy Heckerling directed it, right? And Cameron Crowe wrote it? Yes. That's like a dream team for me. I mean, Clueless meets Say Anything. Yes, please. Um, so, Ooh. yeah. It's really good. I thought that was a great movie choice for this conflict, even though I know that's such a small part of it. Like, everyone says it's not actually about the movie, but since I love that movie, here I go. Because it is rated R, and it's a pretty hard R. There are pretty graphic sex scenes, and a character gets an abortion. Like, it's it's pretty hardcore. But I could totally see the merit of watching it because it's not like American Pie or some movie that's, like, just a sex movie. There's, like, a lot of really, I think, great lessons in it. Like, a girl does learn that she should stop having sex with boys just to get them to like her. And instead she ends up having like a much more like innocent relationship with a boy who really does like her and doesn't push her. And so I thought that was really great. And then like even the scene that they played, I thought that was a brilliant scene to pause on because that's so iconic and famous that anyone could just look at the pause TV screen and know what movie that was. But I also thought when Sandy's like, where a girl flashes her breast to get attention, I'm like, well, if you'd been here for Sarah's talk with Ruby, that's a fantasy sequence. So she is not flashing her breast to get attention. The boy is just fantasizing about her. Maybe the actress was, but the character wasn't. <laughs> so um, anyway, I 
think it would be a great movie to show, especially an edited for TV version that does cut out the graphic stuff. So I don't know if any of that is interesting to you guys, but I had I all sorts of thoughts. I will add that in 2005, the film was selected for preservation in the United States National Film Registry oh, wow. by the Library of Congress as being culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. Yeah. Wow. So you could fall back on that in making your case <laughs> to Sandy. That's right. Uh, no, I like, love that. It's un-American for you to not like this movie, Sandy. <laughs> I, mean, I also think my parents tended to be pretty lax about what they let us watch. Mm. And especially by the age of 15, yeah, it was pretty like, okay, you're old enough to see most things. Yeah. Like, especially if it was edited for TV. Yeah. Now, that's not to say they were hands off. I think they were always aware of what we were watching. And I know like when I first started to get into horror movies, I was like writing things, imitating horror movies and lots of like, you know, violent (laughs) stuff. And there was a moment where my dad was like, you know, we might need to have a talk about how much of this you're watching or or what you're watching. So they were on the lookout for things, which I think is important. But I also think you have to, know your kid and like trust what they can handle. And I don't know. I think it's funny if like your daughter's shoplifting, but she can't watch a girl flash her breasts. (laughs) She has breasts. I, I, I (laughs) she could just look in the mirror. Priorities, Sandy. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, Joey, girls can look at boobs anytime. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I love that. My mom was, not lax, uh, but so I snuck everything. And Fast Times was one of the movies that that I snuck um, or sneaked. I sneaked. Um, so I like, wow. yeah, I like went and ran. I kind of didn't realize that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. How, how did you do that? Well, it was great. Every Friday night, I rented a movie and I watched it downstairs in the basement and it was me time. And I remember once it was Heather's and I didn't pause it. And my mom walked in right as the first Heather drinks the Drano and like says corn nuts. And my mom was like, what is this garbage? And made me stop watching it. And then I finished it while she was at work the next day. And I learned what I need to do is pause the movie when she comes in or like stop it all together. So it's a black screen and just be like, this is my me time. You're interfering with the whole process. And so she somehow (laughs) respected that and then just didn't really question what I was watching. And then I just watched whatever I wanted. And they were all amazing movies um i would just like to say heather's fast times these are culturally important yes <laughs> did she rent them for you no i rented them how did i rent them and not- as a yeah under 17 years old i don't know oh i think i did rent them on my mom's account um but she never checked it was great i don't know somehow it worked <laughs> it all worked out <laughs> so funny but- I don't remember like my parents being really strict about movies that we saw but I probably also wasn't asking. Like, I just don't even remember how that how that went. I do know of some parents that would allow their kids to watch things that were rated R if they watched it with their parents. Mm. And then they, they had a conversation about any of the trickier scenes. And I thought, oh, it's not a bad policy. That's what Sarah does. I thought it was very effective. I, the whole time I was watching that scene, I'm like, oh, and then the two of them could talk about some of these things that come up in a very natural way. Yeah, that's true. I'm sure it gets tricky when it comes to like parenting and like 
you have two different parents that are wanting to do things in a different way, like that can be very tricky. Obviously, they haven't communicated about that. But then, like you said, maybe that's not really the main issue. Right. (laughs) It's not. You know? No. But I do think Sarah is more in friend mode and her mom is more in parent mode, right? Yes. So the mom is probably like, as much as I would love to be able to just be in friend mode with my daughter, I have to be in parent mode. And so maybe she is a little jealous that, you know, here's an adult that can just be in friend mode. Well, gosh, and not to skip to the end, but you just made me realize like maybe Sandy really thought that is always the best policy. Always be strict. Always be in mom mode. Always do that. I got to get this girl in line. And maybe the whole Froyo thing at the end is her realizing at least sometimes shifting over into that gear might be a way to get through to her in a way that just being sort of strict and harsh all the time isn't. So I I would never have thought of that if you hadn't said that. I love that. And who taught her that? Sarah. That's right. Who they don't even invite to go get Froyo. thank you, (laughs) Sandy. Yeah. (laughs) I have to say, I hate when people go, you don't mind if, I'm like, that's not how you actually ask that question. (laughs) Not if you want a genuine response. Yeah. True. Where you're telling the person how they feel within the question. Yeah, good point. No. The actual question is, do you mind if we took Hank with us so that the person could say, yes, I do. (laughs) Go get Froyo by yourself. (laughs) Anyway. You bitch. You bitch. Um, I actually, no, I actually came to like Sandy, well, more in this episode. Like I I said a few episodes ago, she was very one dimensional, which is not the actress's fault. It was the way the character was being depicted. And the more that she's on, I think the more layers we see of her. And um, it was nice to see some more in this one and realize like, oh, she's a whole person unto herself and she's not a monster. She has reasons for why she behaves the way she does. And we shouldn't make judgments about her without all the information. Anyway, so Hank just walks out in the middle of that argument. (laughs) I couldn't believe it. I didn't remember that. And I'm like, oh, gosh, Sandy's warning was... Very ominous. <laughs> get used to that. That's yeah. terrible. When he goes over to get the camera from Max, I thought that this was a brilliant scene between these two. What are you doing, Max? The ferry left at 11 o'clock. I was supposed to be on the ferry, but I was not on the ferry, and I didn't get to take any pictures. Oh, it sucks. Yeah, it sucks. But yes, that's, you're gonna it does. Get all worked up just for that. I cannot help being worked up because I am upset. I am very, very upset. I see that. Which is why I'm doing my breathing and relaxation exercises. Well, it ain't working, obviously. I just started them. Well, you, Your camera is there in the kitchen. You can get it and then you can I go. see my camera. I know. I'm going to take it. I'm going to go. Not right now, okay? I'm a little worked up, too. You know? Did someone promise to take you somewhere and then have insufficient transportation no. to be able to fulfill no. that promise? No, nothing like that. You know what? I'm just going to walk with you. Okay. Sarah and Sandy were fighting. They're fighting, and I don't know what to say to them. And I, and I panicked. Okay, I panicked. I walked out. I don't like it when I can't understand people. Dr. Pelican says it's because it makes me feel isolated. That's a good word for it, isolated. That's exactly right. But I like being by myself more than I like being with other people. Why is isolated bad? I like being alone, too. Trust me. Not a lot of people I like. I mean, there's a few. There's a few people that I like being around. I like Otis. 
and my parents sometimes. And you. Oh, God, why did I walk out? I panicked and I walked out. Damn it. I just thought it was like one of the best scenes maybe they've ever done. Oh, wow. I, I thought that. it was yeah. funny, but it also had substance and it revealed something about each character and it showed them learning about themselves, but in surprising ways. I was just really impressed by it. And I thought this could have been a very like, just get the job done scene. Okay, he's got to get the camera. He's got to realize he made a mistake. And Sarah Watson or whoever made it so much richer just by the execution and, and the actors were great. And I was also impressed throughout this storyline by Hank's repeated late realizations. Mm. Like he realizes in this scene, oh, I shouldn't have walked out. But also in this scene, he just walks right past Amber crying and doesn't think anything of it (laughs) until the next scene when he's telling Sarah and then realizes, oh, 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 I missed I missed something else. It's just a it's a very um, it really makes you feel for him. And the the rehabilitation of Hank in season six continues to be done marvelously. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I thought this was a great scene. I thought it's like one of the most kind of open like conversations that we see and it's kind of amazing that these two who often can kind of only focus on how things affect them mm-hmm. can get along so well somehow surprisingly like they don't run each other over mm. and they can relate to like they were relating to each other it's like they were having like a really kind of like a deep conversation and I and then just the visual of, of them <laughs> pacing back and forth like that's totally like like, yeah, that's a good, like, I'll do that too. Like, it was just like, I don't know. It was really like kind of a lovely moment. And for me in this, in this episode, I was like, oh, Max, you are killing me. <laughs> Throughout this episode, I was like, oh, poor Amber. <laughs> Most of this episode. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like the constant, like verbal I want to call it like an assault, but it, that I don't mean it like that, but like just the onslaught of information and yelling, I would have lost the keys too. I mean, of course, it's funny that we see Nora like put the keys in the <laughs> in the box at the very beginning of that scene anyway. But I, I mean, I just was like, Max, in what universe is this going to help you get to Alcatraz? Like just screaming yeah. at the person who's supposed to get you there and waking her up early the day before the trip. Like, like <laughs> just all of that. In a way, I felt like in his attempt to make sure he was controlling everything as much as he could and make sure that he got them there, I thought he contributed to them not getting there because she was hugely. all flustered. Yeah, hugely. And so he doesn't have a realization, yeah. I suppose, the same way that Hank does, but he's so much younger and he does think about other realizations like Dr. Pelican calling it isolated and who he likes and who do- he doesn't like. So he is he is having some deep thoughts. They're just not like, you know, I contributed to this. It's not just insufficient yeah. <laughs> transportation. Yeah, he but. doesn't grow as much as Hank does <laughs> no, in the scene. No. But he does That's reveal true. a lot. Like, yeah, and again, watching the scene and watching like how he's interacting with Amber, I kind of get annoyed all over again at his parents <laughs> for not like just teaching him how to live in this world right. a little bit better. Yeah. And we never we rarely ever see them address address that. Like a like 
it just, it was hard to watch. I was just like, oh, why has he not learned anything on this front? You know, yeah. like, why have we never seen this dealt with in any positive way? And poor Amber is just having to like, it's not her child, you know, she's just trying to deal as best she can. Yeah. Maybe this is growth though, because the last time he didn't get to go somewhere, he was told he could go. He just went by himself and oh, that's true. Ended up getting picked up by the cops. And so, so ah, the fact that he just stayed home, I hadn't thought of this until right now. Boy. But I, I was thinking, hasn't he been to Alcatraz before? But that was Amber and Drew. We're going to go with Seth. Max was supposed to go to see the dinosaurs at the museum. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, that's what I'm thinking of. Oh, right. And when they didn't take him, he just took the bus there by himself. But now, if I were Amber, I almost would have been like, Max, want to have an adventure? <laughs> Go to Alcatraz. <laughs> by yourself? <laughs> and then Bye. just get some peace and quiet in the house. Um, I he's, did. He's older. He'd probably be okay. It probably would be. I don't know. What do that's I know? A, that's a big trip. I've never been like, to Alcatraz. I have yeah. been to Alcatraz, actually. I've been um, across from Alcatraz, but oh. I didn't get on the boat. I went half my life ago. I went to the one time I've been to San Francisco and it was really fun. But yeah, it would be a big thing because I remember having to take the boat over there. I appreciated that Amber kept referencing her like boat fear because when Seth wants to take her to Alcatraz, she's like, you don't know me at all. I have boat fear. I mean, that's not exactly what she says, but I was like, man, they completely forgot that Jabbar is supposed to be lactose intolerant, but they sure remember Amber's boat fear. And I appreciate that. (laughs) <laughs> anyway, um, speaking of lactose intolerant, oh, nice. dogs should not eat ice cream. Sarah says later on that Otis is eating ice cream. After their puppy phase, they don't digest milk well, oh. and they never eat cow's milk. Also, ice cream is very high in sugar, not good for them. Wow, I don't even have dogs. The only one on this call, but <laughs> I looked that up because I was like, "Is that funny or is that dangerous?" And it, I think it's slightly dangerous. Yeah. They, but they eat cheese sometimes. They do. Little Jazzy loves cheese. Maybe she's not supposed yeah, to have it. Yeah, dogs love cheese. Yeah. No, I mean, like, at the vet, they, like, gave my puppy, like, spray cheese. Wow. Like, so maybe, like, in time, like, in small Well, amounts. and if maybe when they're a puppy. Oh, and again, that's a puppy. You're right. But Jazzy's fully grown. It's not like we give her a ton of cheese, but Mark always, like, accidentally on purpose drops some cheese while he's cooking, and Jazzy <laughs> comes scampering in and just eats it, and we're all like, it's so cute. And now I'm like, ooh, <laughs> maybe this was a mistake. No, but she seems fine. <laughs> you didn't find anything on the internet. Maybe my information is dodgy. Caleb. Your information has never let us down once on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) So it was also great to hear Max say who he likes. I loved hearing that. It's like, oh, he actually does like his parents sometimes. Sometimes. That checks out. He likes the dog all the time. And I liked his distinction. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I liked his distinction via Dr. Pelican of not understanding other people makes you feel isolated and then being confused by... Well, but I like being isolated usually. So why do I not like it in this other circumstance? Yeah. And like you said, Juliet, there is some kind of deep stuff in there. Like that is a distinction that's a little confusing, but yeah, makes sense to me as someone who likes being alone. But I also hate feeling left out. And I, as I think most people do. Yeah. If you're alone by choice, that's fine. But if you feel like everyone else is in on something that you're not getting, that's a horrible feeling. It has nothing to do with whether you like being alone or not. The title of Mindy Kaling's first book is, Is Everyone Hanging Out Without Me? And she's got this real cute face in the cover where she's like, (laughs) like, like just kind of looking off to the side, like, 
picturing everyone hanging out without her. <laughs> but yeah, it's universal. I agree. And Max must struggle with that all the time. One of my favorite episodes of Growing Pains is when Chrissy doesn't want to go to bed because she's convinced everyone's having fun after she goes to sleep. And she has a dream about what they're doing down there. And it's like the, her family's taking pony rides in the living room <laughs> without her. That's amazing. I think it's the year after she was born when she's suddenly six. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. So anyway, Hank realizes he shouldn't have walked out and goes to share this news with Sarah. And I loved this scene, maybe not equally, because I really loved the Max Hank scene, but I loved this scene as well. Sorry, I mean, I just, uh, I don't know. I panicked and, uh, you know, I don't know how, how, what happened, how bad was it? We had a tense conversation and then, and then she left. Well, that's good if she left, right? No, it's not good. Hank, nothing got solved. Well, she's tense. It was very tense. Then you left, made it more tense. She's tense all the time. But that's not okay. She's irrational, though. What is she doing? She's... You know, yelling about a stupid movie. Hank, it's not about the movie. Do you not understand that? I don't. I... No, what's what? Look, she sees me bonding with Ruby. She doesn't like that. That's threatening to her. She thinks I'm taking her place. It's a bigger issue. Well, why is she yelling about a movie, then? <sighs> I should have got it. I didn't get it. Okay, it's I okay. went. I didn't know. You were out fighting. You wanted me to fix it, and I had to get out. I had to go. So I went. I went. I get to get the camera, and then... And then it's Amber's crying and Max is Wait, pacing, what? so I helped him out. Yeah. Amber's crying? Yeah, about what? Yeah. I don't know. She's crying. What do you mean you don't know? Didn't you ask her? No. <sighs> it's not normal, right? I should have asked her. What are you gonna do? I'm gonna go find out why my daughter's crying. Thanks, like one thing at a time. I could do one thing at a time. <laughs> oh, I really like Hank this season. Like, yeah, which is wild because there are all these hours on this podcast devoted to me not liking Hank. But I really think they're doing a great job of like once he is aware of his situation and is actually like dealing with it and, you know, is in a relationship with someone he cares about and is taking risks and all of this. I mean, it is really cool to see someone learn more about himself and grow and he's willing to be wrong. He wasn't before, you know, I I really think it's kind of um, cool how believable this feels. It doesn't feel to me like they're just magic wanding him and turning him into somebody else that we want Sarah to be with. It feels pretty earned to me. So I, I do love that. Yeah. And I, I think these are the kinds of conflicts that are so worth telling with this character. And it it's something that makes me not upset that Sarah is with Hank. Yeah. Because these are stories that could only happen between them. Yeah. And it would be an enormous challenge in that relationship. Like Sarah said when they she was debating whether or not to get back together with him, she's like, I'm a communicator. You mm-hmm. know, that that's how she connects with people. And he doesn't do that well. But watching him try for her, boy, it really makes you root for him. And watching how she deals with it, too. Yeah. Um, it's a good look on her. And I think that she mm. is effective with him. Like, mm. when she asks him, like, do you not get that? It doesn't sound... I guess in that last scene, she did sound a little frustrated. But to me, it didn't seem nasty at all. It was, like, actually asking the question. Yeah. It felt different from the way Sandy sounds when she's frustrated. Of course, she's got, like... Exactly. 
18 years of baggage, you know, and, and all of yeah. that. And she knows. And she doesn't know. Yeah, yeah. That makes all the difference. But So Sarah goes and checks on Amber and we get another classic scene from these two crazy oh, kids. It's perfect. was not supposed to let her do was climb into bed and but she was breaking out and it was the only thing that calmed her down and then max just lost it because i couldn't get us to the boat in time i, I had oh. i was supposed to take it to alcatraz i had These everything big plans to make with a little one and max. But i didn't have a little one and i couldn't even get the car seat to go in my car because because it doesn't have the, the clickies they're like clickies you know you have to it's so easy you click them in my car doesn't have that. Well, your car's old. I can't have a baby if I can't put a car seat in my own car. It's my fault anyway. I let you watch Fast Times at Richmond High too early. What? We'll get you started with the clicky things and we'll take it from there, okay? I just thought, I wanted today to be so fun and it just was like, you shouldn't be putting all this pressure on yourself. They don't start out this age. They don't start out as big as Max. They start out little and tiny and they don't talk or do anything except you can handle that. I can definitely handle poo after today. That's and eventually you work your way up to dealing with insanity. Look, you got her sleeping. That's all that matters. I just can't believe I'm really gonna do this alone. Excuse me. You're not gonna do it alone. Man, that's a lot to ask for a pregnant... I mean, maybe that's just me, but like, I was just like, that's a lot, especially with Max, like two kids and then like taking them places as a babysitter who's had to take kids places before like babysitting and like was like a dramatic event. Oh, no. <laughs> um, yeah, I am all about staying in one place with <laughs> people's kids. <laughs> Wait, where did you have to take kids that you babysat? I had to take them to like a ice skating rink or roller skating rink oh. to like this big gym and I had to drive the parents minivan Ooh. and I was distracted by the kids in the car luckily I was in the driveway and they were telling me like I was trying to like align the the van with the garage and like the six-year-old's like just go 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 <laughs> telling me to go in the garage and unfortunately I listened and I scraped the side of the minivan oh and like the kids like screamed and they were like oh my god and I felt so terrible and I was just like why couldn't we have just stayed home it was just like a yeah I think that's I think that's really mirroring it Juliet like that's I mean the six-year-old yelling at you reminds me of Max yell I mean even though Max is obviously much older than six but like like Nora almost yeah, but like, yeah, true. But like Nora almost running into the street, I was like, I could not find that funny. Like, I didn't think it was. I, 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 and I don't know if we were meant to or were not. Like, I actually couldn't tell if those scenes were supposed to be comical or not. But Juliet, like, do you think it's funny looking back, remembering scraping the car, the minivan? Um, I think it's funny only looking back. Okay. Like, it's, it's <laughs> like a fun, you know what I mean? Like, but in the moment, like, it was just like so much chaos. 
adults in the car between these three kids, like all of them were yelling and what, and the music, I don't know if the music was on or not, but then they were, you know, and what, and why am I listening to a six-year-old? But I did. (laughs) It's terrible. Oh man. So stressful. So yeah, I thought what Sarah said to Amber was perfect about how this is actually Adam and Christina's fault. No, I don't know. That's just the subtext because <laughs> she didn't say that, but she did say it's a lot to take a trip. Although now I'm realizing I, I'm not clear on if Adam and Christina were like, take them to Alcatraz or if Max was like, oh, you're babysitting. You will take me to Alcatraz. Like, I'm actually not sure. Or if it was um, Amber's idea, like, I'm going to be great. Oh, yeah. Suggest that we go to Alcatraz. Yeah. She seems smarter than that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I kind of doubt it was Amber's idea. That does not sound like something that she wants to do. No. Yeah. She's got boat fear, people. She just wanted to sleep in that bed, which looks so comfy. <laughs> It did. I would also want Nora and the dog to sleep in the bed with me. <laughs> Just have a big cuddle party. <laughs> I know that's not how she meant for it to go. You'd down, have Max but... locked in the basement. <laughs> <laughs> I would. I I'm would want. Kidding. Yeah, I wouldn't, but I would want to Backyard. spend my time with Nora and, and Otis. And oh. Anyway, but yeah, like just the very point of they start off small, which. One could say what a dumb thing to say. Of course, Amber knows that. But for some reason, I think Amber is spiraling and thinking ahead to the future and freaking out about not being able to do it. And to be reminded, it's not two kids. It's just one kid. And that kid is just going to poo. <laughs> and of course, yeah. cry. But, you know, she doesn't get into that. She just says poo. And I think that was wise. Like, let's just keep it simple for now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she was so encouraging it was like yeah right logically we know that maybe but sometimes we need to be reminded and Mm -hmm. I thought that was just like so comforting and so perfect a thing for her to say in that moment and if I was Amber I would definitely need to hear that in that moment yes absolutely was that the resolution of Amber's storyline yeah I think we get a scene of her during the montage I think she's like right yeah she's okay reading with Nora yeah yeah (laughs) not bonding with max (laughs) just (laughs) yeah just focus yeah i like that the resolution of hank's storyline was a scene with no bravermans but slap me silly i loved it (laughs) you weren't the problem here's the thing i'm seeing this guy and what what not see not seeing a guy i'm talking to this guy he's a professional he's a shrink he's a, he specializes in people like me okay what do you mean people like you people like me people who just you know, they're just not so good with emotions stuff like that and understanding feelings whatever you know here's the thing he thinks that it's like a jump ball whether i have it or not but lately i'm realizing it's not it's not a jump ball in fact i'm pretty sure it's a slam dunk i got asperger's that's that's what it is it's, it's a high-functioning or this. No, I, I, I know. I know. I. I had no idea. I'm. I'm. I'm sorry. I don't know what to say. So, in looking back, I, I think that probably a lot of the stuff was me. It wasn't you. And. uh I'm starting to get that, you know, it must have been hard to, you know, be married to me. 
Was it? In any case, I'm, I'm going to try harder now with Ruby, and, and that'll be good, and you too. So. Thank you. Okay, so we're good, right? Yeah, we're good. All right. But are we really good? Because if we're not good, <laughs> well, what you got to do now is you got to be very specific, because okay. that helps. Oh, yeah. Hank's coming on is pretty lovable. Yeah. yeah. Such a good scene, and like, you can just see probably like years of issues between them kind of melting away with this new information mm. for her. Yeah. And speaking of Sandy getting more well-rounded, I really like tip my hat to Betsy Brandt because I thought the way she played that reaction spoke volumes. Like I, mm-hmm. I feel like there was remorse and like sorrow and then guilt and then also like relief and just so much without a lot of words. And I thought it was really touching and I felt for her yeah, and for Hank too. And I was thinking of Melissa talking about forgiving people when they've reflected and yeah. feel remorse and, and that it, it makes it so much easier. And Hank's apology here was so vulnerable and sincere yeah, that I feel like you just can't help but forgive him. And because of the information, it's it's not even all necessarily attributable to him. I mean, you know, there's this other factor at play as well. But as we've talked about a lot on here, I think something that would be so hard for him and Sandy is figuring out what is Hank's personal responsibility then? Yeah. Like what what do you chalk up to autism and what is purely Hank's doing? And then what is the overlap? of those things and there wouldn't be any clear-cut answers I think and that would be really hard I love that because the things that I've always had trouble with regarding Hank were things that at least to me to my limited knowledge of like what it means to be neurodivergent it wasn't the kind of thing that he was struggling with in this episode I felt like everything he did in this episode was very human and forgivable, you know, and and you could see the direct link. It was stuff like calling his ex-wife a bitch, you know, or like the, the, you know, the, the terms that he would use when he talked about her and the anger and the cruelty. And so this scene did a lot for me to repair some of that damage too. Like for him to look at the person that we've heard him speak disparagingly of the whole time we've known him and say, it wasn't your fault. It was my fault. And to even say, I thought you were a shrew. (laughs) I was wrong. Like, yeah, I I have to forgive that, of course. But before this happened, I had some anger about the way he talked about women. And and I was like, I don't think I can blame being on the spectrum for that. (laughs) You know, like, and and so, yeah. But I think this scene helps me understand the link. He was really just frustrated at the situation and didn't understand so many things. And it was just easier to lash out than to look inward. And now that he's looking inward, I I'm just, yeah, rooting for him. Like you said, you know, and I think sometimes, you know, 
when you know better, you do better. And yes, even if he was trying to look inward, he wouldn't know what he was looking for. Do you know what I mean? Like he needed some intervention. He needed some information that he was missing. Yeah. And that has changed the ball game for him, you know? Yeah. It was also funny to listen to that and hear him reference jump ball, knowing was that was the last episode. episode you were on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's why we asked you back. I'm kidding. We, we don't <laughs> we think didn't. that thoroughly. No, we don't. Which is like, who do we like? Juliet. <laughs> what a lovely coincidence that he mentions jump ball. I had kind of forgotten that he at some point says, I don't think it's a jump ball. I think it's a slam dunk. Cause I think that's interesting. I don't think he ever is officially like diagnosed, but I think from this point on, I think we can just assume if he believes he has it and is dealing with the world with strategies as a person who has it, he has it. Right. I mean, like, I, I don't know, like might as well. And I th- I thought that was like a, an interesting evolution too, that it's no longer kind of this murky, ambiguous thing. It's, he's just saying, you know what? Yes, I do. And I need to kind of live my life accordingly and, and tell people so that they aren't mad at me, you know, like yeah. with this new information, she'll have more patience with him and understanding. And I mean, it, it, it changed everything to the point that the first time I watched this episode, I like back in 2014, I have a really specific memory. And I think it's because I was really tying it in with Gilmore Girls. But I was like, oh, now she's going to want him back. And then I took the slight at the end where they don't invite Sarah to get Froyo as like, oh, this is like a maneuver. And it's so funny because I did not look at it that way at all now, <laughs> like at all. And I wondered like, what was my problem? <laughs> I, I saw it that way. I mean, this time I didn't, I don't know. I just, I thought, I thought it was lovely that they were able to sort of bond as a family. And I didn't look at that as like an affront to Sarah. It was a little rude the way that she didn't even get to finish saying, bye, Ruby, see you next weekend, you know, slam the door. But I, I, I just felt differently about it this time. Anyway. I'm going to return to that, but I want to say that Hank's awareness of how he communicates with people and his challenges, I think can teach the people around him valuable lessons too. Like when he ends that scene by saying, so we're good. And she says, yeah, we're good. And then he says, but are we really good? And I think for Sandy, it can be a lesson of like, don't say you're good if you're not good. Don't, don't play be these sarcastic. little games. Yeah. And right. don't, yeah. you know, and with Fast Times, Sarah understood that that's not really what she was upset about, but that's not what Sandy was saying. Yeah. And I think there is maybe a lesson of like, say what you mean. Be yeah. direct. Yeah. Or, or at least knowing there is value in that. And if you're speaking with someone who is not going to read between the lines, then you, you really kind of have to do that. And maybe you can take that into your into other areas of your life and be a more direct person. Yeah. I'm glad what you said, though, about their Froyo trip at the end, because I put I couldn't tell if Hank joining Sandy at the end was supposed to be a sign of growth or a threat to Sarah or what. And I wasn't even necessarily thinking of it as like, well, Sandy wants Hank back. I didn't really get that. But I I wondered if it was a like now that our family unit is functioning better, I'm going to just push you out of it or something. And (laughs) the look on Sarah's face seemed a little startled or taken aback. too. So I wasn't sure. But I kind of liked the ambiguity, though, because I thought that's probably what Sarah is feeling. Like, should I be offended by this or be concerned by it or should I be happy for them? 
I don't know. Watch this space. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I was, I felt like, well, here they are kind of having a good moment and a good time. And then she's, when things are going well between them, then she's kind of being left out. Mm. <sighs> I don't know. Like on the one hand, like you, Melissa, I thought, oh, this is so nice that they're going to have this family time. And for once it's not going to be fraught with all these kind of negative emotions, right? Like when they, when they all three are together. But on the other hand, I was like, can you not expand that a little bit and invite Sarah along? Like she's now in this picture. She's now part of, you know, your child's life. So I don't know. Maybe that's too much to ask. Or like maybe that's something you work up to. I'm not sure. Yeah. If I were Sarah, I'd really want to monitor like, is that a pattern or is it an occasional thing? Because I I think it's totally fair and probably good for them to have some times that it's just them that it's just Mm -hmm. that original family unit to acknowledge the worth of that and then there should be other times when they do expand it and acknowledge like the family has grown to include other people and if sandy is with someone that person should be included and if ruby is with someone that person should be included sometimes and when it hasn't happened really at all up to now then the first time it happens, Sarah has no way of knowing, like, well, is this the way things are going to be now? Or is this just an occasional thing that I should be happy for them about? Especially given how Sandy, the last time they were together, how Sandy talked to Sarah. So, right. yeah, it's not like, oh, we're fine. We're on good terms. And, oh, you don't mind. Like, it really does and feel a lot no more passive aggressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she really was insulting. I wonder if Sarah knows what Hank said to Sandy, if she she knows about that conversation. That is a good point. I mean, I don't think Hank feels like in in line with all the stuff he's learning. I would hope he would know that he should tell her. Yeah, yeah, I went over to Sandy's house and told her I got Asperger's. (laughs) Such a good (laughs) Hank. (laughs) I tried. Jennifer Coolidge, Ray Romano, you could do it all. (laughs) Yeah, I think, yes. Okay, so now that we've been talking about this, I do know why in 2014 I felt threatened when Sandy kind of does it this way. I I think that I was able to see it differently this time just because I was like, wow, what a relief this new information is. And it softens her. And she did learn from Sarah. I really think she did about, okay, let's take Ruby out for frozen yogurt. She's seen nagging mom enough for a little while. Let's let's have an actual experience with her. That isn't me just barking at her to get in the car. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Catch more flies with tarot root than vinegar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I I know it is. I guess I do get why they don't expand the invitation, but I just I don't know. I I it. At the same time, I would just never have done that. I would have just immediately said, like when when Sandy's like, oh, I'm being so rude. Sarah, join us. Like, that's really what I thought she was going to say. And then I'm like, oh, shit. I did too. Yeah. I was like, oh, <laughs> nope. Nope. Okay. Maybe, maybe Hank was right about her all along. Raging bitch. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. Oh, my gosh. Well... I think the most bizarre storyline of this episode belonged to Zeke and Drew. This didn't used to be here. There's wide open spaces. See forever. I mean, this whole thing was a field and had beautiful trees in it. But none of this. 
Why did we come here? I don't well, know. my dad, he used to take me over here and we'd go, uh, we'd go shooting, you know? So I thought it would be a great idea to come out here with you, that's all. I, we used to shoot cans of cream corn and have all kinds of fun. It was great. I, I learned how to shoot here with him. Came here to shoot cans? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, here. Open the trunk. Let me show you. Yeah, see? I mean, I brought the, the cream corn oh, yeah. all in there, and that. then I got this 1911 9mm Colt. Look at that. Whoa, Isn't that whoa, pretty? Grandpa, put it away. What are you thinking? I'm just Grandpa. showing you the gun. You can't That's pull a out a gun in public. Oh, for Pete's sake. We're on the street. We're at a liquor store. Yeah? You can't have a gun out. God, I told you that I was busy, and that I had to study, and I have all this stuff to do, and you bring me out here to shoot a gun. You don't even know how I feel about guns. That's crazy. Just get in the car. Let's go. I thought this specific activity really walked the line between what the fuck and like, oh, this could actually happen. Oh, I loved it. I thought, yeah, I yeah. thought they picked a great, like, that if you were Drew, you go, what is happening? Did my, did my grandpa <laughs> just pull out a gun to shoot <laughs> cans of corn? Like, it, it feels like a, am I like through the looking glass? And yet it's like knowing all that we know about Zeke and his character, I think, yeah, yeah, he would totally do that. <laughs> In a liquor store parking lot. <laughs> right. Well, it's the height of privilege, right? To be like, why would anyone think anything bad about me? Yeah, I'm an old white guy. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I mean, obviously that's not so what he's true. thinking, but that's the subtext of what he's thinking. You know, like, like I'm no threat. The no privilege one... is that he's not thinking that. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Something that didn't occur to me until just listening to it right now is that Zeke's a veteran and would actually have training in firearms. Yeah. Which makes me cut him a little slack. I I, I am not a gun person and I, mm -hmm. I'm really not a gun person. I don't like the thought of being around them at all. And when I first watched this, I was like so withdrew. Like, what are you doing? You're pulling out a gun? Yeah. And you never told me that's what was going to be happening here. I would have a little more understanding if it's like, well, it's my grandfather, the veteran who actually knows his way around guns, not just like, oh, my uncle, the accountant who shoots defenseless animals <laughs> on the weekends for fun. Yeah. Like doesn't even eat the meat, just hangs the trophy right. heads on his wall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then I would really be like, I should not venture out in the woods with you. No. <laughs> At least grandpa, I'd be like, okay, you're not gonna, you know, accidentally shoot someone. Well, yeah, I would think though, because he is a veteran being married to a veteran, that he would actually have a little bit more decorum and caution. And I don't know, like that he would be kind of aware of pulling out a gun, like where he is when he's, I don't know. Mm, that's, good point. that's just my thought. It's a great point. Wrong. You know, the line that I found fascinating was Drew saying, you don't even know how I feel about guns. And I think I especially find it interesting because that's all that's said on that. It doesn't become like a very special episode where they debate gun rights or anything like that. And, and I'm glad it wasn't that. But I thought that one line said so much because I'm like, yeah, 
Drew doesn't like guns. Look at him. Look, look at how he's dressed. Yeah. Like he's clearly a progressive, you know, like th- there's, there's no way that he fits the, the, the box that you would think of for like a gun enthusiast or something. And I thought, even though we've never really heard Zeke talk about guns before, I really did buy it as being part of his character. Like that really felt in line with what we know about him. Yeah. Although the one thing that I was wondering about, Mark and I actually had a talk about this on our last walk because I was knowing that we were about to podcast about this. And I was like, why did Zeke's dad take him shooting? I was like, Zeke's not like a hunter, right? Like we've never really seen that side of him or anything. I was really having trouble with this. And, you know, we are all from the Midwest where a lot of people, like gun culture is huge, you know, um, a lot of people just grow up going out and, and shooting but I was like, did did Zeke in Berkeley? Like, you know, like, is that something? But Mark was the one who pointed out to me that he was a veteran. And I was like, okay, okay. Anyway, that was the only part that I questioned that just we've never heard Zeke talk about guns before. So this did feel like new information, but somehow it fit with what I knew about him. Yeah. Well, I was curious because I don't think we've ever heard him talk about his father. No, I don't think so. And we've met his mother who had him when she was 14 or whatever. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> the father, I feel like, has, I mean, I don't even know if he's ever been referenced before or not. I can't remember him ever being referenced. And I know that Zeke did not have a great relationship with his mom. Yeah. So I think I maybe just assumed he didn't with his father either, but then this makes it sound like he did. Maybe this was like his one good memory or maybe. something. I don't know. That is interesting. I something else I found interesting about the storyline is that I felt like the conclusion we were supposed to come to was that Drew was being an asshole. I mean, like that's what Natalie says, you know, and just like your your grandfather has just had heart surgery. He wants to spend time with you. Why are you being such a jerk? And while I don't think that's like inaccurate, I also didn't think that was the whole truth. I was like, college is incredibly stressful and you really should make sure someone has time to hang out with you. And if he's got a really important test coming up, you make plans. You don't just say drop everything and go on this adventure with me, which was the second time in a row that he'd done that. And I was like, I don't think I'm getting from this what maybe they want me to get from this, which is that Drew doesn't love his grandfather enough or something because he won't drop (laughs) everything. (laughs) What did you guys think of just that, the central conflict? I think Zeke's a little bit of a bulldozer anyway. That's a great word for him. Yes. <laughs> doesn't doesn't really take into account other people's current reality or, or feelings. <laughs> yeah. And I think he's in such a place right now, probably kind of dealing with his own mortality. Like he's just kind of in a certain zone and he's yes. not able to even more, maybe more so than usual, to take in what's going on with other people. And so he wants to do this. Time is of the essence. Let me connect with my grandson. And like, that's a lovely, like the sentiment is, is lovely, but he's not hearing or seeing Drew at all. When Drew tells him, I can't do this right now, like priorities. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'm with you. Like, I just feel like there's just not, not good communication with the two of them. And it, it is kind of bulldozing. Drew and Drew stands up for himself, which, you know, I'm actually kind of glad to see that too, right? Like yeah. Drew's very rarely that assertive, you know, get in the car. Like I was like, okay, yeah. Drew. 
<laughs> but then the one time he does stand up for himself, everyone shames him for it. His girlfriend like makes him feel terrible, which I was actually like on board with what she said. I was like, oh, she's right. But now that we're talking about it, I'm like, is she right? Like, I mean, I don't know. Well, I, I think it's both because yeah. it's both. At first yeah. I was, I mean, you're kind of articulating exactly how I felt about it. Because ultimately I agree with Drew. I do think if I'm being like as objective as possible, I think Natalie offered some really valuable perspective on it. Yeah. There is another way to look at it. And Drew, I think, was only seeing it from his point of view. And Juliet, what you just said, I think is what Natalie was really getting at when she's like, well, maybe it's not about you. I think what she's saying is your grandfather is like, he's checking things off his bucket list in case he dies, you know? And he wants to forge some memories with you and you might want to consider that before you brush him off. I think, well, that's not bad advice. No, that's good advice. But I also don't think it makes Zeke right. Yeah. Or it makes Natalie right because especially when she called Drew selfish, I think Zeke was being selfish because Zeke wanted to share those experiences with Drew because they meant a lot to him, not to Drew. Like Zeke's doing this for himself. So thank Mm -hmm. you, Natalie, for broadening Drew's mind a little bit. But I don't think you're necessarily correct. That is something that kind of drives me crazy about Zeke. Like, I think the show always showcases him like doing these beautiful things for other people. And sometimes he really does. Like, he gave Drew the car, which I think means a lot to Drew. But of course, that was kind of an excuse for him to work on the car, you know, and he just comes out looking real great at the end because he gives it to Drew. But like, he always took the the grandson's camping and not the granddaughter's. And Max didn't want to go, but like Hattie really did, you know, and I, it just feels like so often he does things that seem like they're all about giving the other person a special experience. But it's really not. And what what I'm really kind of upset about now that we're talking about it is when they do go to the shooting range and Drew tries to just take him and not shoot and say, I'm I'm just going to I'm here to root you on. You know, I'm just going to watch you. I guess I'm torn because, you know, what harm does it do to shoot some cans? But I'm with you, Caleb. I hate guns. And I felt like Drew was presenting a boundary like he was trying to compromise And Zeke didn't really let him. And of course I'm put off because Zeke explains guns as being like, you have to treat them like a dangerous, beautiful woman. And I was like, what is that (laughs) bullshit? I just could not have hated that any more than I did. I'm like, well, I hope you don't try to just literally (laughs) her head was back up to the ceiling in laughter. I mean, you know how, like, there are those crazy people who, like, want to, like, fuck their guns. Like, that's what, like, if you're going to call it a crazy, like, a dangerous, beautiful woman, I'm like, well, you're bringing sex into gun talk and it's weird. And I don't, I don't know how the hell a gun is, like, a person at all. Whatever. That's a side note. But, like, it did, I mean, I thought he was maybe a little pushy. And I guess someone else could see the same scene and say, well, Drew, if you're going to do this with your grandfather, go all the way and don't half-ass it and go outside of your comfort zone and and try something. But I'm like, when does Zeke ever go outside of his comfort zone? Never, you know? And and it just, I don't know. It's, It's an interesting thing to think about. I felt exactly the same way. I wrote, I want to be heartwarmed by the whole grandson, grandpa Bonnie thing, 
but I'm such a nampy pamby liberal that I really get turned <laughs> off by the gun thing. And, you know, I really identified with Drew when he said, you don't even know how I feel about guns. And, and, and this isn't even me like judging other people. If Zeke enjoys shooting, I would prefer that he would do it at a range and not in a field. Yeah. And, like I said, I, I really respect that he's a veteran and would have that level of training with them. Not just like, well, my dad took me out to a field and taught me. Not knocking that necessarily either, but it's like, it's even beyond that. But, I mean, especially like a handgun like that, the point of that is to shoot people yeah. and to kill people. And I don't want to be anywhere around it. And I, it doesn't seem like a small thing to me. To, yeah. to, you know, oh, just shoot a few. It feels like something that should be respected. And uh, and I was like, they could bond in any number of ways. Like, go back to that burger place and eat junk food. Or, you know, go for a drive in the car. Or, I don't know. Go to the ocean. They can have all kinds of adventures that are unique to them and aren't recreations of memories Zeke has of his own father. Why does it have to be guns? Yeah, it's a good question. Sorry, gun owners. I respect you. I just hope that you respect me too and wouldn't make me partake yeah. in things I don't want to do. Fair enough. Yeah. Well, if Juliet, if you have Juliet, something how to do say, you feel yeah, about how do you feel about the storyline? Yeah. I, you know, I'm, I'm not a big fan of, I don't want to be around them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but at the same time, I understand. I'm okay when people are not crazy. And own guns. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. But I also like totally like one of my best friends, like she's like, it is a good thing I don't own a gun because there would be people that I love would be dead. <laughs> she said, she was, I know myself well enough to know that like in the heat of the moment, I might pull out a gun. Wow. I, I don't I don't know how much she's joking or not, but like you might like, want to examine this friendship. <laughs> Just be sure you know where you stand. <laughs> but, but like, you know, like just literally like that self-knowledge. I'm like, oh, that's good. That's good to know. Like, but and it happens. Like mm-hmm. there's so many incidences where it happens. But I, I don't know. I'm not like terrified by them, but but I don't want to really be around it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've shot a gun before. It's not a handgun. It was just like a. I don't know what it was, a BB gun, a hunting gun. I'm not sure. At a Target, and it was no big deal. And I, I didn't have a problem with it. But Oh, a tar- I was imagining the store. And I was like, were you robbing someone? <laughs> Target. Oh, my God. Oh, it was not a big deal. Yeah, guys. I just, you know. You know. Just shooting up a Target. <laughs> they were having a sale. An actual literal Target. Yes. Was oh. it fun? Yes. Um, you know, it was so long ago. I don't remember, like, not as much fun as, like, ski ball. <laughs> I'm with you. Now that's my have... speed. Yeah. yeah, like, I can have fun without there being guns much more. Like, yeah. Although, Melissa, what you said about the beautiful woman makes me think that they may have missed a little opportunity there because something that would have helped, mm-hmm. I think, is if once he made Drew shoot the gun, if Zeke dropped all of his bulldozer man shit, yeah. <laughs> and spoke like an intelligent gun handler and mm-hmm. said, you know, like, okay, first rule, you never point a gun at anyone, right. even if it's not low. Like, I've heard people talk about guns before, knowledgeable people. Yeah. 
And if Zeke had instantly gone into that mode, I would have been like, oh, you're responsible. You're not comparing the gun to a beautiful woman. You're treating it like a deadly piece of weaponry, which is what it is. Yeah. Like if you're calling it a beautiful woman, you're just automatically not quite serious enough, I think. You're making not for me, my comfort. No, I agree. But you're making me realize that that was probably Zeke's way of saying respect the gun, like the way you would respect a woman. But I think what Zeke does not get is by likening an object to a human woman, he's literally objectifying the woman and <laughs> therefore not respecting the woman and not really respecting the gun either. I don't know. I just, I just hated that so much. But this is all making me think of, a, of an anecdote that... I would like to share. I when I was like maybe in my second or third year teaching, I was very new. I was Stugo sponsor as student government. And one thing we were in charge of was this film festival where kids made films and then um, I, as the sponsor, had to screen them and decide which ones were like appropriate and which ones were not. And then we showed them to the whole school during like study hall seminar. And then I only did this one year and then I said, I want someone else to screen them because I had the exact opposite reaction to two films than my administrators had. The film I had a problem with was a film where these two kids are just like in the woods with guns the whole time. Um, They were dressed in their hunting gear, like a camouflage and everything. And there's like literally a scene where they open up a trunk and they're just outlining like, oh, they're just holding up guns and describing them. And I was really horrified by this. I'm like, I don't want to sit in a school and watch kids hold up guns. Like, I mean, I get that it was in a hunting atmosphere, but I hated it. And so I did run that past administrators and they were like, it's fine. And again, I lived in a very rural, you know, town where gun culture was just really normalized. It wasn't to me because my parents didn't ever shoot and, you know, stuff like that. But anyway, so, okay. The the one that I thought was great was um, these two kids made a really, really intelligent, funny, sneaky movie in class while their substitute was not paying attention. And they just like, they're whispering the whole time. They're supposed to be watching a movie and they're having like an entire dialogue. And like one of them dares the other one to like go up to the substitute and see if she notices and she doesn't. (laughs) I thought this thing was hysterically funny. That's the one admin was pissed about. It didn't even occur to me to ask if that one was okay. No one was doing, I mean, I was like, this is the sub's fault. She's not paying any attention. Like, if they're able to make a movie (laughs) during class, that's on her. And I admire how they spent their time. Instead of sleeping or just goofing off, they they made art. Um, (laughs) So anyway, they were mad because that was like going against authority, but they were fine with all the guns. So sometimes I realize other people see the world differently than I do. (laughs) So there's that. Anyway. That's great. Well, speaking of seeing the world the way other people do. Ah, very good. I think I may have actually come around to Julia's point of view. Interesting. In a small way. Okay. Because it has now been three months since the beginning of the season. Mm -hmm. And Joel has had a change of heart for whatever reason he has. We don't know. And he hasn't said anything Now I'm wondering, why isn't he willing to fight for her? (laughs) I mean, they're like at the divorce proceedings and he clearly doesn't want to get divorced. Well, they're at the mediation, I should say. He clearly doesn't want to be doing this at all. Yeah. Even though he's going along with it. 
And in one sense, I have no respect for how cooperative he's being. Like, if this isn't what you want, you have to say that. And if she says, Mm -hmm. but it is what I want, okay, then you can honor it. But I, I feel like he has never articulated whatever this change of heart is. And if they're both so crushed by the end of their marriage, why aren't they doing anything about it? I, it like the storyline almost doesn't even make sense to me as I'm watching it because I'm thinking that something doesn't add up here. Neither one of you wants to be doing this. So why are you doing it? And you're holding hands and crying in the elevator, which was beautiful. And I loved brought that. tears to my yeah. eyes. But I'm also like, that didn't spark any conversation. <laughs> Maybe we don't I, want just this. a moment of mutual mourning. I, yeah, I don't know. Really exemplifies just how terrible their communication is. They're just both going along with it because it's what the other person wants. Yeah. They shouldn't be married. They can't talk about anything. Are, together. They, <laughs> I don't are know. they playing? Are they playing divorce chicken? <laughs> oh my do you want to do this i don't know do you want to do this it looks like you do <sighs> the funny thing is though is that joel is kind of used to going along with whatever yeah. he thinks <laughs> julia wants so she's a bulldozer too he's yeah. a bulldozer so maybe he thinks that that's just how this is going to play out no matter how he feels and i don't know this whole thing is <laughs> some manufactured drama <laughs> i mean that's really i you know, that's how I feel watching it. I feel like I am just at the mercy of this show that is subjecting me to a storyline that maybe shouldn't be happening or wouldn't happen this way. I don't think. Yeah. And then I just have to watch it because <laughs> it's part of the package. And then you get sort of sucked in because everyone involved is doing really great work. I mean, I thought Erica Christensen and Sam Jager were both fantastic they were fantastic in every scene and it's like you know they sell it they make me believe it and i hear the music and their tear-filled eyes and you know i'm along for the ride i'm like wait 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 (laughs) what yeah i was re-watching this with jordan in the room and we were kind of saying like how this doesn't make sense and you know and then he was saying well it could just be it doesn't make sense to us because we are seeing everybody's person like we're seeing everything like as the as the viewer like we we're seeing all the sides that are being presented whereas if people are in this reality they're very much within their own yeah kind of maybe their own silo and their own experience and because i because i was trying to be like why why is this happening and why is it happening like this and you know and you know i suppose the reason for joel's reticence could be that you know maybe early on in the season he was still feeling things out, working up the courage to say something, because I could imagine that you might feel like once you say something, you better be sure like you're ready to go all in or risk losing it before you do that. And then before that happens, he finds out that she's seen someone. And then, then maybe he feels like, well, now I can't say anything because she's already started to move on. And I'm actually like interfering in something like, okay, Maybe I'm not considering that strongly enough. Yeah. But it it does just seem to me like if you want something, you have to say that you want it. She's not going to read your mind and you can't just kiss her in the kitchen mm-hmm. and then, oh, and then she'll just understand. Like, no, say what you want. <laughs> and then I'm, but then I'm mostly confused about, again, just the role reversal here. Mm-hmm. He was the one who left and yeah. he was the one who wanted to step away from the marriage and she desperately wanted it back. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm just unclear of when they literally Flipped. switched places. I feel like I got it last season and I don't get it this season. You know, I've, yeah. 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 For instance, this scene, almost incomprehensible to me. Joel, the house. Yes. Yesterday was emotional. So I just wanted to give you a chance to change your mind. Well, you don't have to do that. Joel, we bought the house together. Yeah. The smart thing to do is just take the emotion out of it and split the asset. It's not an asset, though, Julia. It's an it's asset. A In a divorce, everything I is an asset. I refuse to talk about it we like that. We should just be reasonable. We brought our Let's... baby girl home to that house, Julia. It's the first safe place our son ever spent the night. I mean, heck, the first night we owned it, you know, we didn't have uh, furniture, even electricity, but we just laid on that floor and we talked about the future and argued about what color we were going to paint the walls. It's not an asset. It's a home. And it kills me to walk away from it, but uh, I hurt you. I hurt you, and I own that. I get that. So I don't want the house. If I can't have you in it, I don't want it. You know, now hearing it, I guess ending by saying, if I can't have you in it, I don't want it. Maybe that's him saying, like, I want things to be the way they were. I don't know. The part where it just really lost me was like, I hurt you. I just thought like, yeah, I mean, I don't deny that Julia was hurt by Joel, but there's just an enormous context to that that is being completely ignored. And Julia never had a moment where she acknowledged how much she hurt Joel. No. It just, I I feel like they're just like rewriting history or something. And I'm like, I remember though. I remember what happened. (sighs) And Joel's reaction was a little extreme, but it wasn't in reaction to nothing. Right. And he's come back from that, which she desperately wanted him to do. What's happening? I don't And when he was saying like, oh, remember when we first bought the house and we just thought about the future? I was like, okay, this feels like it's leading to a, what are we doing? Why can't we go back to that place? I took you for granted and I thought that maybe I needed to figure things out, but I figured them out and what I want is to be back with you again in that house. But no, he doesn't say that. He's like, so I'm giving it to you. What? I don't know. I very upset. It's weird. I went with that because I think I just was like, all right, he's convinced himself that this is what Julia wants now because it's he's too late. So I didn't even really question that. I just can't stop questioning why he's changed his mind and wants her back when she's done nothing, you know, to to change. She's the exact same person. And I'm like, but Joel, you desperately wanted away from this exact same person. You know, she is not acknowledging that she was selfish in their relationship or that she messed up. She's not doing any of that. And I know we've talked about that ad nauseum, so we don't have to necessarily talk about it again. So I wasn't trying to figure out why he wasn't saying, I want you back, especially since he does once a different bulldozer bulldozes him into doing it. Because, you know, the reason he doesn't is because he has to have somebody tell him to, I guess. But I just kept trying to figure out, okay, why is he even wanting her back in the first place? And so this is what I wrote in my notes, but I don't know if I'm right. I just was like, I wonder if once Joel's anger dissolved, all he was left with was love. He said to Julia, if she had to press the issue, they weren't getting back together right now. 
He never said, I want a divorce. I don't want anything to do with you ever again. He just kept saying over and over and over again that he needed time and space. And now he's had it. And so I wonder if now he's just not mad anymore and he is able to remember that he loves her. That's the best I can do. That's my thought. Because, I mean, I feel like he, in in a not very, maybe like you said, Caleb, like not a very direct way, but he's letting her know what he wants, even if he's not saying it outright. If I can't have, I mean, if he says, if I can't have you, it seems pretty clear where he stands. So maybe he thinks like, this is me saying what I want. This is me, you know, obviously he needs a little bit more. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. But I would kind of be mad all over again if I was like, I just need some space. And then and then she's like, bye, Felicia. You know, <laughs> she's like, moving on, signing divorce papers. Like, can you ever just give me something and not go crazy about it? But I think for her, there's a limit. Space is only so much a court. Like she has defined what space is and he has moved past that and so hmm. she feels like there's no return i mean she's just kind of left with this huge question and i think she's just really hurt and maybe i'm maybe i'm making it too complicated cuz she has basically said she felt abandoned yeah which i would believe even though i think there were very clear reasons that were her fault why he left the house it still wouldn't feel good and especially if you think you know this is the person i'm supposed to be able to depend upon more than anyone. And now I don't understand why he's doing what he's doing. And although, but even as I say this, I think, but he was explaining it to you when you, I understand that you might be confused and you expressed that confusion. And then he explained it to you and you just didn't accept the explanation. That doesn't mean that he didn't give you one or have any reason for doing what he did. But anyway, okay. But let me back to my thought. Maybe I should just accept that he is now owning that, as he says, more than he was willing to when he was angry. And maybe that is just irreparable. Like, well, like, yeah, the way I handled this was so bad that you felt so hurt that you can never trust me again. Okay. Okay. But again, they're not saying any of these words. And I just wish I had more insight into why they were doing what they're doing. All of this potentially could have been avoided if when Julia said, let's go to therapy, they went because they obviously can't communicate well. They are not hearing each other. They're not understanding each other. Like they need somebody to come in and help them figure out how to do that. And I'm just like, oh, we could have avoided all of this. Yeah, that's a good point. I do think maybe that is something that Joel did wrong was that maybe he was being really short-sighted, not just about, I think he was just like, Julia wants me back or Julia doesn't want us to separate. And I do. And he was just so caught up in the moment and so sick of not getting what he wanted ever that I think he just was like, I'm, I'm holding firm. I'm standing my ground. I never do that. And I'm doing it. But it's not just that he wasn't considering Julia's feelings. I think he wasn't considering future Joel's feelings. He wasn't like, Maybe I won't always feel this way. <laughs> I married her, didn't I? Yeah. I? I loved her. And maybe this is just a rough patch. But he like maybe mistook being so frustrated as like not just a rough patch, but like the end, like I'm done. And now that that's passed, maybe that's what he is regretting so deeply is 
I should have gone to counseling when you wanted to. I should have maybe told you I was upset, maybe even before I was up, before it got to that point or, or realized that you were in a new situation being a stay-at-home mom and we were both outside of our comfort zone and, and given everybody more grace, not expected you to be as good as I was. <laughs> at doing the stay at home stuff. I mean, honestly, like, (laughs) like I think part of his frustration was he was like, I did it. Why can't you? Which I always understood where he was coming from. And I was like more on his side. But now that I say that, you know, not everyone is super good with that stuff. And I have to be honest, like an insecurity of mine is how much better Mark is my Mark at like domestic stuff. Like he's an amazing cook. And luckily he's fine with me just like washing the dishes and, you know, we're even that way. But if he was ever like, you know what? It's not fair. I cook all the time and you never cook. I'd be like, oh no, am I suddenly supposed to cook? And then he, he would be like this amazing cook. And then I'd be shitty cook. And he'd be like, for all these years I've cooked. And now I just ask you to cook and you can't do it. There's me trying to uh, be in Julius. <laughs> Yeah. perspective because that would be that, like yeah mac and cheese honey mac and cheese, mac and cheese. he's like do you know the fucking gourmet i cook around here yeah it would just yeah and so maybe, maybe i think you raise a good point though yeah I, like i wonder also maybe was joel trying to teach her a lesson like she's such mm. a bulldozer was he maybe thinking you know i'm just gonna rattle you and <laughs> until you realize like i'm standing up for myself for once i'm gonna bulldoze you and maybe it just backfired. On Instead, him. she's like, like, "Fine, I'll just start dating okay, other she, people." <laughs> front, yeah, and and then now that his anger is worn away, it is just love left. I'm like, "Oh gosh, I really miscalculated that." Again, they don't say any of this, so even if we're right, and maybe it's not such a huge flaw because, like as we've said before, people don't always know why they do what they do. Yeah. I mean, if only they did, the world would run so much more smoothly. So it's not necessarily that it's unbelievable that two people in a crumbling marriage might both want to stay in it and it somehow just crumbles anyway. I I believe that it just, it's really frustrating to watch because it doesn't feel like it adds up. Yeah. I did wonder if Joel giving Julia the house is maybe like a 3d chess move (laughs) because as she alludes to with Chris, when he comes over, she's now like living in a monument to his sacrifice for her. Oh my God. That's so she can never, she can never forget how much he loved her. I also wondered any movement on your opinion of Chris based on this episode. No, I think he's fine. Yeah, Yeah. Like I, I think he's clearly like a good person that I just can't seem to muster up any feeling or energy about. And I don't know why, like, there is nothing wrong with him. He's like handsome and seems kind to her. And I'm like, yawn. Like, I don't know. I just, I'm <laughs> just, don't. I just, and I guess it's just because I'm invested in Joel, I guess. Um, I don't know. I do think though, speaking of the 3D chess move, what I wrote was that the house is a metaphor for Joel because she says, I was prepared to say goodbye and now I get to stay. And I wonder if like now she was prepared to say goodbye to Joel and now Joel's like, I want you back. And now she's like, has to debate saying goodbye to him as well. Mm. But I like what you said more, Caleb. Observation. Thank you. But the monument of his sacrifice is way better than anything I just said. That was... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah. Well, we've talked about bulldozing. Thank you, Juliet, for that image. 
<laughs> Let's discuss the ultimate bulldozer of the episode. What are you doing here? I, uh, I'm saying goodbye. Zeke. What? No, I never had a role model. Growing up, I never had that. And, uh, and you were that for me, so I just wanted to say thank you. And uh, I'm going to miss you, and I'm going to miss you. I'm going to miss your family. That's it? You're out of here? Yeah. I mean, we finished up mediation this week, so... So you're done? Yeah. I can't keep dragging this on. You know, I got to let her go. Yeah. Just giving up? I'm not giving up. Yeah, you are. I'm not. I'm not. This is what she wanted. This is what she wanted. I'm trying to honor that. This is what your daughter wanted. Can you please just let me get out of here with some sense of dignity? Are you kidding me? You love your kids? Come on. Hmm? You love your kids? <laughs> You love your wife. You know I do. Mm. I took you in as a son. My, my daughter is a dangerous, beautiful woman. I don't know. <laughs> Weapon. She's got to be handled like a gun. <laughs> <laughs> How to bulldoze a bulldozer. That's right. Yeah. What don't did bulldoze you, a bulldozer. <laughs> gonna get bulldozed. Uh, what did you guys think of that scene? I, I'm conflicted. I. It's a very powerful scene. I think it they're is. both excellent in it. But... Again, I'm distracted by all the things that don't make sense to me. Mm -hmm. At least someone is telling Joel the advice that I've been screaming at the screen all season. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I appreciated that. But I think that's mostly why I liked the scene as much as I did. Because a character was saying what I wished I could say. If Zeke made this speech with only the extent of knowledge of the situation that I think he has... Then it's again, it's like, well, this is just emotional bullying. And like Joel mm -hmm. should stay with Julia because Zeke took you in as a son. And out of some weird fealty to Zeke, you should just make it work. I mean, Zeke seems to think sheer force of will can make anything happen. <laughs> like, yeah. That's a terrible strategy in many, if not most situations. I'll yeah. just bulldoze my way through it. But I'm glad that someone was telling Joel, like, uh, maybe tell her that you want her back. Have you tried yeah. that? Because he <laughs> hasn't. <laughs> you know, and so I liked oh. that. Yeah. I didn't realize this until you just said that. But if I were a person who had kids and had, like was divorced, I think that scene would actually offend me. Like just the line about Zeke saying you love your kids, like. 
he could absolutely love his kids and <laughs> divorce their mom. People do that all the time. People divorce the mom because they love their kids. Yes. Sometimes. Like or, sometimes you know, the other parent. Yeah. Not just the mom. <laughs> right. Right. The dad. Yeah. But like, that is such a bonkers argument that I didn't even really stop and think about until you were kind of like picking this apart. And then I'm like, that's horrific. Like that is emotional bullying. I mean, if they're meant to stay together, then they're meant to stay together for other reasons separate from that. But like, you're not a bad parent if you want to divorce your partner. You're just not. And that's a really toxic thing to say. <laughs> and so I think the real point is you don't want to divorce her and you love her. Then you shouldn't divorce her. But like that kid stuff, I thought well, that's unfair. I don't know. I mean, I think he was just playing. I mean, that's obviously a factor. Like, uh-huh. obviously, the answer is yes for both Joel and Julia. They right. love their kids so much. Yeah, it is a factor. It is something that could yet like another motivation for trying to make it work if it can work, yeah. I guess. Yeah. And the idea of this is this may sound a little crazy, but like the idea of I took you in as a son, I think there is something to say, like, Beyond the bonds of just the two of you, there are other bonds that have been created here, you know? Yeah. And like, he's coming to say goodbye. So he's like, say like, this is our last hurrah, you know? So I do kind of also I see like that. see how that could be like a factor, not not like, a, not, I don't even know if like a factor, but like a, just another part of this, like a, a broader picture, so to speak. But yeah, he's honestly, <laughs> he's always kind of a bully, but in this situation, it worked out. <laughs> it did. Like, yeah. I, I, we're we're glad that he gave this advice. But see, I wonder if he didn't realize that he wasn't fighting for her. Mm. Because to me, maybe he just thought, I'm making it clear. Maybe I'm not saying it directly, but like I'm making it clear. Like I'm putting out something and it's mm-hmm. not being picked up. Mm-hmm. I I said I don't want to live in the house if I can't have you in it. That to me seems like if I was about to get divorced and that was said, I would be like, oh. Does that mean, you know, like I would grasp onto that if that was something that I wanted and she doesn't. So I think that's why. But I think Zeke is essentially saying you can do better, dig deeper. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that just led me to a light bulb moment. Oh, because we were describing Zeke as a bulldozer and Julia as a bulldozer. Is Zeke really just telling Joel, you don't know how to handle her? Yeah. What you need to do is bulldoze her. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And you need to speak her language, which is just insisting on what she wants. Trust me, she learned it from me. (laughs) So you need to go over there and tell her, I don't care what you want. Here's what's going to (laughs) happen. And then she'll be putty in your hands. That's her love language. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. That's what I was wondering. Like, it's obviously his approach has not worked thus far. Yeah. And she is a bulldozer. So maybe she needs... Although she's never, he's never been able to bulldoze her, even in this whole, in this whole thing. So (laughs) I can understand why he doesn't think that there's a point to trying that, but you know, gosh. And also it's like, at what point do you, even if that's true, at what point do you go, wow, this is fucked up. (laughs) Like (laughs) if this is what it takes to win her back, what's wrong with us? Yeah. You know? Oh yeah. Let me just for the record submit what Joel's fighting looks like. A year ago, you asked me to fight for you. And I was too stupid to listen. So I'm here. 
I don't want to live another day without you, Julia. Not another second. So I'm fighting for you, and I'm fighting for our marriage. I want you back. Now, I'm glad that he finally said something. <laughs> but at this point in the episode, <laughs> I was so, like, had my magnifying glass out, my jeweler's <laughs> eye, <laughs> and was just picking everything apart. And I thought, yeah. this is such a cliched way of ending an episode of television. I really want to know what happens in the exact next moment. I mean, because the episode ends yep. with Julia's face. Yeah. And I thought, what does Julia say to that? And also, is Chris there? <laughs> does Joel just say this and then leave? Say he's fighting and then turn around and drive away? What happens? I assumed Chris left, but I actually don't know if that's true. I mean, like, because he, like, picked up the wine oh, that's glasses true, and took they them had to the, the sink. And he hinted yeah. that he wanted to stay, and she did not take that hint either. She's not taking any hints I right now. I appreciated that. Me too. Like, yes, yeah. 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 I honestly don't remember what happens next, so I am excited to see yeah, where I wonder, things go from here. I wonder if it picks up at the next second. I didn't second. remember. You do remember or you don't? No, I didn't remember. And then after watching it, I was like, oh, cliffhanger. I have to. So I, I watched <laughs> until, I, until I got the answer. <laughs> oh, Juliet has knowledge that we at least can't access. Yeah, because we've seen it, but we don't remember. It's been a while. Are she and Joel in the next episode? Or did you have to watch nope. multiple? Nope. Oh, damn it. Oh, yeah, my. They, are, they are jerks. That Blade. sucks. Oh, my God. That is not okay. We go back to Max's stupid storyline at school. <laughs> I know that's next. Because the episode, the episode is called, yeah. Uh, oh. Man, I'm pissed about that. It'd be no big deal if we weren't making a podcast and I could just be like, okay, cool. I'm just gonna watch two episodes real quick back to back. But like, that just means like, okay, so I'm going to be watching one that doesn't resolve this. And then we're going to record an episode <laughs> and then I'll watch and find out what happens. What? <laughs> and I can't go ahead. I will spoil shit. I won't mean to, but I won't yeah. remember what happened yep. in which episode. So I have to do it one at a time. I mean, I guess in this case I could because they're apparently not even in it, but it doesn't feel right. It doesn't. I was worried right. about that this whole time. I was like, I'm just going to let Melissa and Caleb bring up all the things because I watched ahead and now I can't remember if that was <laughs> part of this episode or not. I tell you, it's why I don't do it. Yeah. yeah. Smart. It is a smart move. Thank you. Well, I learned from teaching. Like, I can't read ahead either or I will spoil things in our class discussion. Oh. So it's funny because it's all books I've read and this is a show that I've seen, but it's like, if I know that whatever information is just very fresh in my mind, then it's safe to talk about. And if it's not, then I am accessing it from the past. <laughs> so, But, you know, I have cool. to say the suspense yeah. that I feel doesn't feel honestly earned. Because, yeah. you know, as we're talking, like, oh, I want to know what happens next. Isn't that exactly what you would want from a cliffhanger? Not this way. <laughs> because <laughs> I want to know. How do they make this development that doesn't make any sense make sense? Do they even? That's what I want to know. Yeah. That's not a cliffhanger. Yeah. A cliffhanger is take the Rachel. You know, that's a cliffhanger. <laughs> I mean, that like, is a cliffhanger. What, what yeah. just happened? Shall I go on? <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> you know? <laughs> 
That's like the Not best this. cliffhanger ever. Wait, Wait we should... what are we talking about? Oh, friends. friends. Sorry. That's when Ross oh. is supposed to marry Emily and he says, I, Ross, says take the me, wrong Rachel. Name. Yeah. And then the minister says, shall I go on? And then the season ends and you had to wait all summer to find out if they were going to go on. Well, I will just say I I am interested in hearing your conversation on the resolution or the the follow up to that. I'm interested in having it. (laughs) Yes, you are. You know, all my belly aching aside. Yeah, I actually liked the episode. I as loved a whole. it. <laughs> you know, the, and I feel like the season started really strong, and then there was a little dip for me. Yeah. And then I feel like this one is is on the upswing again. It's like, okay, okay, yeah, back to things I care about more, and mm-hmm. I'm enjoying. Maybe it's because there was no Adam and Christina. <laughs> I've learned that not a fan of the school. No. Is it the school story? Is it the school storyline that you're not into? It's them. Oh, oh. <laughs> it's, it's I think the on this rewatch, I have learned they are towards the bottom of my favorite. Like if I had to rank all Although my characters. Although I started to like Christina more in season five. Yeah. And I, I don't dislike her character, but just knowing she's not. If you're going to tell me someone's not in an episode, she's one and Adam that I, yeah. I do kind of go. Oh, That's okay, fine. I'm not gonna have to deal with any of their bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, which they don't always bring, but they often bring. I, the first mm-hmm. time I watched this show, my two favorite characters were Amber and Crosby, and that still applies to Amber, and it no longer applies to Crosby. He's fallen from grace for me. I have moments where I still love him, but I'm like, oh. Yeah, just the man child that he was all season five. No, thank you. And and so it's really wild to me. I'm like, huh, on this rewatch, Joel, who is a character I thought was super boring and didn't care about, is probably close to the top for me. And Crosby, eh. so it's just it's just interesting. I don't know. It is interesting. Bringing people around to another point of view Hmm. felt like a bit of a recurring theme. Like Natalie withdrew. Yeah. Zeke with Joel and then Joel trying to with Julia. Yeah. Sarah with Amber. Sarah and Max and Dr. Pelican (laughs) with Hank. Mm. And then Hank with Sandy. Yeah. Trying to get someone else to see things a different way. That's good. Mm. And that kind of felt like loosely related to the title. These are the times we live in. Like you had to tell someone, hey, get with the times. This is what's going on. Hey, I have Asperger's. Mm. Hey, your grandpa just wants to spend time with you. Hey, I want you back. Hey, you have to shoot this gun. It's like a dangerous, beautiful woman. (laughs) Get that creamed corn. That's the last one. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think quite clearly we've reached the end of of this particular Yeah, these are the times we live in. Uh, These are the times. (laughs) The wrap up. The wrap up. (laughs) Wrap it up. Um, Truly, though, Juliet, you know that I love you, but... Truly yet. Truly yet. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, Lord. But no, I mean, just one of my favorite people on the planet. And I love doing this with you. And I love having a record of like how much joy you bring me and how happy you know yeah I just I love you so much and this this has been really lovely that you have done this with us. And I mean, just to remind people, Caleb's sister, Lindsay, had never seen Parenthood until we did this podcast, and she watched the whole thing 
And Juliet did the same thing. You had never watched Parenthood mm. and you watched the whole thing. It just means so much. I mean, mm. I'm sure we're not the only reason why you watched it. Like you started it because of us, I think, and then like got into it. If you hated it, you probably would have stopped. But like still, that's amazing what you did for us. I, I just like to, Aww. you know, it's a, yeah. <laughs> this has been, it's been so lovely. And I just always enjoy well, first of all, listening to you guys when I'm not on <laughs> and then commenting on, as I'm listening, like, oh, guys, <laughs> have in you my considered? Head, I have like, <laughs> oh, I love that. And then just having this opportunity to be on here with you guys uh, four times. This has been so lovely and so nice. And to also just kind of get to interact with Caleb, because before this, I don't think I had, you know, we really had that much interaction. Very um, limited. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just been lovely yeah you're two of my favorite people i love you guys in a zoom room with you both it's (laughs) wonderful (laughs) what are we gonna do when this podcast ends i know talk to each other again i know it it makes me so sad because i'm like yeah (laughs) (laughs) somewhere out there Lindsay is listening to this and she knew that's what i was gonna say (laughs) two seconds before i said it she knew I just, I, I do wonder though, like so many people I've enjoyed having this particular experience with, we've already said we're not doing another show. We just can't, like, we don't have time. We really don't have time now that the no. world has moved on, but we're seeing it through and I'm glad we are. But like, yeah, I got to remember to zoom with people. Damn it. Like I, I sort of, we're just back to life. And so I kind of forget about it the way that. You know, it used to be like, okay, maybe a game night here or there, or like, like you would think of that as an option. I think now that we're like seeing people in real life again, we're kind of going away from this. And it was kind of a, a beautiful thing that came out of the pandemic was remembering that there were ways to see people who live far away from us. So Caleb and I never Zoomed yes. ever before the pandemic, ever. I just saw I you. I hadn't heard of Zoom yeah. and I didn't Skype, you know, that was... Yeah. Zoom before there was Zoom. Never did that. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't FaceTime. Yeah. It was a creative connector, this this podcast. Thank you. Yeah, I have loved it way like I mean I thought I would love it, but I've I it's meant more to me than I think I ever would have even imagined. Like I I Yeah. yeah. Thinking about it ending is scary. It is. I feel like I'm gonna be an emotional mess. I think I probably will be. Yeah. And yeah, I'll have to remind myself, like, like I can still see all the people. I mean, I won't see any of Caleb's friends. I'm not going to, like, just call up someone I met one time for a conversation and be like, would you like to Zoom with me? That's weird. I won't do that. But I can uh, go for it. <laughs> yeah, why not? Uh, but Julia, I can Zoom with you and, and visit you and you can visit me and uh, all of that. But yeah, that would be lovely. Yes, that would be lovely. So... Anyway, all right, wrap it up, wrap it up. Um, well, Juliet, thank you again. This was this was wonderful. Listeners, thanks for being here with us. And until next time, for as many times as there are, oh, still to come. Still to come. May God bless and keep you always. And may your wishes all come true.